Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Erin Page, and today I'm joined by complex care pediatrician, Dr. Kelly Fraden, who is here to provide strategies for parents whose kids are dealing with diagnoses, differences, or mental health challenges. Welcome, Dr. Fraden. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Before we get started, I want to tell our listeners a bit more about you. Dr. Kelly Fraden is a pediatrician, mother of two, and child advocate based in New York City. She was inspired to become a doctor because of her experience surviving childhood cancer. A graduate of Harvard College and Columbia College of Physicians and Surgeons, she has dedicated her career to caring for children with complex medical conditions in many situations, including academic clinics, private practice, inpatient units, and schools. She shares realistic and empowering parenting advice and children's health information on her Instagram account at advice I give my friends, and in her first book, Parenting in a Pandemic, How to Help Your Family Through COVID-19. Her newest book, Advanced Parenting, Advice for Helping Kids Through Diagnoses, Differences, and Mental Health Challenges, releases in April 2023. Dr. Fraden, let's first acknowledge today that all parenting is hard, and parenting a child through a difficult diagnosis or challenge is even harder. So what encouragement would you like to first offer parents in these kinds of situations as we begin our conversation today? Yes, I think it's really important for parents to know that they are the experts in their child. So often when parents enter into the medical environment, you know, the clinic or seeing a specialist, it can be really intimidating to have others who are bringing their expertise to your family. You, you know, they might use your words you're not familiar with. Same thing goes for school conferences. Often educators, you know, they have um, a whole language and skill that they bring to your child. But, but the truth of the matter is all these people are just resources there to help you. And you are the expert on your child day in and day out. Um, you know your child better than anyone else. And so as much as possible, try not to be intimidated in these conversations and to remember that you can speak up and ask for more help and ask for clarifications. And when you're not getting what you need for your family, just to to remember and have confidence in, in the fact that you're you're doing your job as a parent by being an advocate for them. No, that's that is so applicable to all parenting that we as the parents know our child best. That's such a great reminder for all parents. So tell us what some of the most important advanced skills are that a parent needs when they have a child with a challenging diagnosis and they have to function as both a parent and a caregiver. And this goes for whether they're dealing with a child who has ADHD, food allergies, depression, developmental delays across the board. What are these skills that parents really need? I think one of the most important skills are is the, the ability to organize and prioritize because those parents are stretched with typical parenting demands, you know, keeping your children educated and active and sleeping and eating is, is a big full-time responsibility. 
then when you add on extra demands, you know, worrying about a child's um, a child's well-being and their their medical or educational conditions, there's a whole nother category of tasks you need to do. You need to educate yourself and do research. You need to communicate with your child's team to make sure everybody has um, their best interests in mind. And so to reconcile both being a parent and being a caregiver, it requires you to think on your feet and prioritize how you choose your how you choose to spend your time and and to keep both the big picture of what really matters in mind during these day-to-day -day situations where where we're all so busy. So so I think that those skills and leaving space for that in your week of, you know, setting goals for the week or thinking about what the most important thing is for you as a parent this week. Um, I think that that's one of the most important skills you can have. That's so helpful. Um, so how do we learn how to develop these skills? A lot of these are not things that we're born with. They take practice. Um, so what's a good process to, to really learn to develop and practice these skills in our everyday life? Yes, I think one of the first steps is is just that we start talking about this more. Unfortunately, when children have things come up, a lot of times people feel embarrassed or or isolated by them. They feel like maybe I'm the only one who is dealing with with this difficult stuff with my kid. But the truth of the matter is that you're not alone in it, and many children have things come up. And so, so once we acknowledge that as parents, we can um, find community and find more support because the truth of the matter is that it's very hard to learn how to navigate medical and educational circumstances. It's a skill that most people learn on their feet as they go. Um, and it, it shouldn't be that way. We should also be able to learn from each other's experiences and we should, um, we should make these systems over more accessible so they're not so intimidating um but but i think that parents can do do themselves a big service if they're open with their their friends and their community about what they're facing because once people know what you're facing you'll be surprised by how many people have faced something similar they can share advice they can share um, their lived experience even if it's not about the same thing sometimes it's surprising to think that a child who's had who's had asthma has something in common with a child that has, um, you know, a vision problem. But the truth is that they're, you know, parents are learning to give their kids medication. They're taking them for specialist appointments that are often difficult to arrange. They're talking with the school about accommodations that their child needs. So yeah, the children are facing different things, but the experience from the parent perspective, we can learn from each other in, in having gone through, gone, gone through those hoops for our kids. So, so I think that can really help being open with your friends and, and asking a lot of questions. Don't be scared to say this is the first time you're dealing with something like this, because when the doctors and teachers have that context, they, they can help you more. And I think there's both kind of the logistical support that parents can gain from each other um, and learning how to navigate you know, whether it's an IEP or a 504 through your school system or managing all those doctor's appointments. But then there's also the beauty in that emotional and mental support 
that parents can really gain from each other. So not only are you gaining some of those skills that you need to navigate this journey, but you're also getting that level of um, emotional support that I think as parents in the midst of this, we're thinking so much about how to support our kids that we kind of forget that we've got to have support too, because it's a journey for us as well. I think that's so essential. And there's a big piece of my book actually devoted to this, that often before parents can really support their child, they have to cope with the stress. And, and, and so much stress comes when your child is having a difficult time. Um, parents, you know, we care more about our kids than anything else in the world. So even the smallest bumps in the road can be very hard to watch. No one wants their child to suffer. And so, so taking care of yourself, you know, sleeping, eating, uh, spending some part of your day, you know, devoted to your own well-being will make you better at, at helping your child. It'll give you the energy and, and organization and, and um, you'll be functioning at a higher level when you take care of yourself as a parent. And so often when I see kids as a pediatrician, that that's, that's what convinces them to take better care of themselves. Not because we all know we need to take care of ourselves, but, but the truth is that when you take better care of yourself as a parent, you will take better care of your child too, because you'll, you'll approach it in a more intentional way, in a more thoughtful way. And, and when you're less overwhelmed, um, because you've taken the time to cope with some of the feelings that come along with it, um, you can be a more effective advocate. It feels kind of counterintuitive in the moment that I, you know, need to step back to take care of myself, but you're absolutely right. And that's a parenting lesson that I personally have to keep learning over and over and over again. Um, so it's such a good reminder. Um, when we're in this kind of relationship with our child, where we're both parent and caregiver, what advice can you share around strengthening that relationship and some common mistakes to avoid? So I, I do think it's important that no matter what age your child is, you leave some room for connecting with them just as a parent and child. So frequently I see families who become really focused on supporting their child's challenge and you know the day gets full between school and activities and appointments and therapies and all those things and and what gets squeezed out sometimes is the simple time to like cuddle or rest or play a game or or um listen to music or whatever it is that that makes you just enjoy each other so so protecting that time to enjoy each other is really important there you know there's a part of your child outside of whatever they're facing that needs needs um connecting with you uh and and that's that's important but then um the the other piece of it is to remember the other kids in your family and the other people in your life as well because often when you devote so much energy to helping your child through a challenge you can um you know inadvertently neglect these other people, whether it's your co-parent or the grandparents or the other children in the household. So it's, so it's all a balancing act. Definitely. Um, another common challenge in parenting that I know I deal with constantly as well is knowing 
when to encourage my kids to meet a new challenge, to kind of push them towards something and when to back off and not push. So does this dynamic change when you're the parent of a child with a physical or mental challenge and how do you navigate that? Absolutely. I think one of the hardest things for parents can be that children are a work in process. So even when you find something that works for your four-year-old, when they're six, you have to totally change your approach and your style um, and find that right balance of pushing them to, to achieve the independence and, and to acquire the skills that they, they are capable of while also understanding that they're, that they're kids. And, and one thing that many people forget is that in the, you know, 10 and up group, they start to look adult size and sometimes they can have adult like conversations, but their brains are still really developing and they're not um, able to reliably make the best decisions for themselves. So, so often we think about as parents, either doing something for our child completely or like finishing and letting them do it totally independently. But what we forget is there's this whole phase where we have to supervise. And, and it's very important to be intentional about that phase because if you're not, your child um, may be at risk of, of missing something or letting something go. Um, so what I mean by that, say your child's on a medication they're supposed to take every day and they've been taking it for years and they're pretty good at it. Um, and so now they're doing it on autopilot and that's such a great achievement for your family and you're happy about it. And then you kind of cross it off your list of things to worry about every week. And then one, one time you, you come up and you're like, huh, I haven't gone to the pharmacy in like two or three months. How can that be? And you look and then you realize that maybe they, they've slipped. It's actually very hard for even an adult to take medication every day. And so our children still need us to back them up and be that sort of safety net of monitoring. But that monitoring also does take work, right, on the parent's behalf. So, so it's worth acknowledging and sometimes delegating within the family if you need help um, with that supervision step, but it's something that shouldn't be skipped. That is just like hits me right in the gut <laughs> that that tendency we have as parents to, okay, now you're capable of this. I'm checking it off my list. I don't have to pay attention to this anymore. And then had a very similar thing happen in our household where I'm like, you're still taking your inhalers every day, right? And and how come I haven't had to get one in a while? Oh, we're forgetting to do the inhalers. So it kind of feels like one step forward, two steps back. Um, but that's such a good reminder that, you know, developmentally, they're just not necessarily capable of some of the expectations we place on them. So we have to kind of remind ourselves and remind them that that's okay and start again. I think every parent sees that also with hygiene, you know, like kids start bathing themselves independently. And then all of a sudden you're like, you smell bad. Let me help you with this. <laughs> Good reminders for all of us, for sure. Um, I want to go back to what you said earlier about, um, you know, when we're that parent and caregiver paying attention to the other relationships in our lives, specifically siblings. And I know this is a topic that you touch on in your book, um, that a child facing mental or physical challenges really affects the entire family dynamic, including the siblings. So how can parents foster both that sibling relationship 
and be on the lookout for the sibling's well-being, their other child's well-being. Yes, this this comes up a lot because often when when one child is following a more typical pathway or more healthy than the other child, a parent's attention gets obviously drawn to where it's needed most. But it's very important that um, that that the child who is the healthy one also gets the time and attention of of an adult, and whether that's whether that's coming from the the main parent or a grandparent or a babysitter or a beloved teacher, you know, we can rely on other people in our community to support our children, especially when we're really busy with a child. Say a child's, you know, in the hospital, like you can't be in both places. That doesn't mean you can't find other ways to to address the emotional needs of your healthy kid. But but protecting and prioritizing their um, their resources is important. I think the other thing sometimes it's easy to forget that um, that they didn't necessarily choose to to have this situation of having a sibling who has extra needs, and along with that comes a lot of feelings. And um, in general, there's a lot of positives about. Um, growing up with a sibling that has extra needs, these kids tend to have um, a sharp moral compass. They tend to like judge their friends by how kind they are to their sibling. Um, they tend to be very empathetic of, of others in their in their environment. They tend to be, you know, very like loving and considerate members of the community. But sometimes, especially at different points in their development, they may be angry about it. They may be mad about it. They may they may um, feel sad about it. And it's important that they have someone they can talk to about those feelings. Um, and that instead of saying, oh, you love your sibling, like, don't say something like that, that we like, you know, it can be a mixed blessing. It can be that just like actually with any two siblings, they may have days where they really like feel positively and days where they don't. And that's okay. And feelings are, 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 all acceptable, even if you know behaviors are the things that we we would never want a child to be mean or or to behave unkindly towards other people in the family. So that might not be tolerated, but the feelings are all accepted, and your child should feel like they have someone to talk to about it. Again, it may not be the parent, but somebody in their lives they can talk to, because um, we don't want to force the healthy kids to take on the role of the caregiver, and often they they are little helpers, but they also have a whole um, identity outside of being like the little helper in the family. So it's important to, to welcome their help and be thankful for their help, but also to allow them to have their own lives and their own, um, their own activities and preferences and, and to leave room for them to be kids too. I love that reminder that as parents, we don't have to be all things to all of our kids all the time, that we can uh, make that intentional choice to bring others along with us to, to help support all of our kids' needs. Um, I know as a mom, I need that reminder that I don't have to do all the things myself all the time. What yes. are some, and go ahead. I was just going to say that, that generally speaking, people you know, around you want to help and they want to, they want to do something to support your family. And sometimes it's hard to know how to use their help, but when you do use their help, uh, they can be um, important resources for your children to lean on and talk to. So they're, 
the, the helpers are a gift, even if it's a little bit of work to find a way to use them. Definitely. Very true. What are some general ways that parents can promote wellness, cultivate joy for their families in the midst of this ongoing journey with a child with a diagnosis or difference? I think it, it, it can be important um, to remember, to have realistic expectations and remember that things don't always happen right away. So often, especially with developmental educational or mental health challenges, progress can be slow. Um, you know, parents sometimes think like, I have a diagnosis, I'm going to get a treatment plan, and then I'll see an immediate result. But even when you're in, in a situation where you're doing everything right, it can take time to, to see if it's working or not. And, um, and sometimes it can be very freeing to say like, okay, I've got the right plan place and I'm going to do my best to just give it a month or give it a week and I'm just going to like make it through this week and then I'll reevaluate and when you do that um you know you can give yourself some mental space to just instead of focusing on the caregiving focus on the parenting and focus on the relationships and and leave space for like the the day-to-day -day, uh joy of just like being with your family that's great advice. And that is something that my family is really working on this year, finding joy in all circumstances, which I have to remind myself again daily. That doesn't necessarily mean we're happy all the time, but we can find joy in the journey for sure. As we are closing out our conversation today, Dr. Freyden, what is your number one recommendation for parents to hone their sense of empathy for their children and themselves? So, so in general, I think um, it's good advice to talk to yourself like you would talk to a friend. Often parents are so much harder on themselves than they would be on their best friend or their, their sibling or their loved one. You know, we're, we automatically give others the benefit of the doubt and rarely give that same grace to ourselves. So, so I think my number one recommendation to promote empathy to yourself and your family would would just be to keep that perspective in mind. That's great advice. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Freyden. This has been incredibly helpful. I know I've gotten a lot out of it and our listeners will as well. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. For our listeners, find more presentations by nationally renowned parenting experts like Dr. Freyden through membership in the Modern Art of Parenting. Visit modernartofparenting.com to learn more about memberships, which are just $19 a month or $199 for the year with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Thanks everyone for listening. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.